0: Welcome to the CMC Podcast, where our mission is to inspire you to be a doer of the word. Today's message is brought to you by Pastor Josh Barnett. Let's start. Let's read verse 1 through 10. It says, Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and teachers of the religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. So Jesus told them this story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness to go search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors saying, rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Won't she light a lamp and sweep the entire house, searching carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she will call in her neighbors and friends and say, rejoice with me, because I have found my lost coin. In the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. Now, this parable we see in verse 1 and 2, is direct, it's directed towards the Pharisees and the scribes because they had they they were they were taking up issue they were complaining they were grumbling they were angry that Jesus was receiving sinners that's what it says they were mad because he was receiving sinners like i can't believe this holy man would talk to these people would bring his miracles to these people would 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 eat with these people. Eating was like a much more intimate thing than it is nowadays. Like if you ate with somebody then, it's like you're saying, I accept these people. I love these people. These people are family. And, and so Jesus is teaching this to really fix religion's view of God. So when it says he began to teach, he was teaching because of their hard hearts. He was teaching this because of their angry hearts. And he was trying to correct the way that they saw. And, and, and listen, the tax collectors, they were traitors, man they they were the jews saw them as traitors the jews hated the tax collector because these are jewish people who have decided to take and collect taxes from their own people to give to this oppressive roman government that was ruling them and so they like they they hated them they didn't like them then you and then you've got these sinners people living in known sin unrepentant sin not trying to live like pagans prostitutes just uh, completely unclean and they had issue with it and It's just, and every translation say he welcomes them, receives them, something like that. But they all talk about how he would eat with them. And the first parable here, Jesus is showing this this shepherd that goes out to find the one sheep. And I want you to know this morning that Jesus himself is declaring that he's the good shepherd in this parable. He's the one that leaves the 99 to come find the one. And 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 listen, (laughs) the son of God left the 99 to come get you he left heaven to come after you. He left the 99, he left his father in heaven to come get you, to come get all of us. And, and, and he comes after us, we're the ones that wander astray and when he comes after us, he doesn't come with his staff and break our legs and complain and treat us like a dog and say, I, like, don't ever do that again and rub your nose in it. No, it says when he finds the sheep, he joyfully throws it over his shoulders and carries it home. That's how Jesus finds us. That there's rejoicing in it, and he's teaching, he's trying to teach these religious people. This is how the Father receives you. This is how we celebrate, and and and, he, and he's showing like, you know, there's more joy, there's more celebration over this than the ninety-nine who were still back in the who were still back in the fold. They they like they didn't need repentance. They were there. They were fine. It, but it's the one that's brought in. And 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 what I want to let you know this morning is like, we are in joy. If you're not lost, if you're found, like, you're in joy. And so, like, our hearts for lost people is, like, we want them to partake of the joy that we have. And so, when we want them to partake in the kingdom that we live in, the peace, love, and joy that we have from our Father, from our Good Shepherd. And so, when people come, when their hearts get awakened to this gospel, when they were lost but now are found, we should celebrate That's what Jesus is showing. You should celebrate that we're receiving these tax collectors and these sinners because God loves them just as much as he loves you. Amen. (laughs) Hebrews 12.2 says, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. What was the joy set before him? You and I. That That he gets to have relationship with us again. That was the joy that was set before him. That's why he went to the cross so that you and I could have relationship with him again. And you get to the lost coin, you go to the lost coin, and it, we go from a bigger number to a smaller number. You go from 100 to 10, and in and, and, and the next we go from 10 to 2, but it's just showing like every single person is valuable to the Lord. Every single person is valuable to the Lord. And, and, and you know, I, I want you to know here that, that these 10 silver coins, just because a coin was lost doesn't mean that it was less valuable. Just because a coin is lost doesn't mean it's less valuable. If you lose $100, if you lose a $100 bill in your house, it's still worth $100. When you're lost, you're just as valuable to the Father as if you're found. And let me challenge you on this. What does lost mean? Lost means something is where it once was supposed to be. If I lose a $100 bill in my home, the owner doesn 't change these coins these coins would have been imprinted with the face of Caesar they would have the the image of Caesar on them. You have been imprinted with the image of your creator and and I will say, i'll say i 'll say one thing and, and i 've heard a lot of people who share their testimony with this but but personally you know for me. When I, when I was prodigal, when I was lost, when I had run away from the Father, one thing that convicted me like crazy is whenever I looked in the mirror. I, w- ne- I could never hardly ever look at myself in the mirror because when I looked in the mirror, I knew that I bear the image of my creator and something in me was saying, you were made for more than this. You were made for more than this. And every single person, whether they're lost or found, they are imprinted with the image of their Creator, and therefore just as valuable and loved by God as even the righteous people. Amen, amen. <clears throat> now, in this part of the parable, so we see Jesus, the good shepherd. Here, I see the woman as the church, because these ten silver coins would have been given to her as a gift for being a bride, and she would have worn them on a necklace or in a hairpiece or something. It would have been it would have been a, a, a gift for the bride. We are the bride of Christ. And this, this coin gets lost and it's the illumination, it's the lamp, it's the light of the Holy Spirit that finds the lost coin. Coins don't lose themselves. Coins don't lose themselves. And, and, and I, I, obviously I believe that every single person is responsible for their own actions, their own own decisions that they make, um, but I also want you to know that, 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 that churches are made up of people and where there's people, there's going to be imperfection. Proverbs says where there's oxen in the stable, there's poop. And, and I want you to know that made up, being in church made up of people, sometimes people miss it. We're fallible. Sometimes we hurt other people. And so maybe that coin is lost. Maybe that person is lost because they got hurt. Or maybe like, and just knowing like people's testimonies, like people have, they've been through a lot, man. There's a lot of people that go through a lot of things. And another thought I want, just a seed I want to sow to you is is that the coin, just the sheep wandered away from the fold out into the wilderness. The coin never left the house. Hello? So maybe you can be in the house and not in the home. Maybe you can sit on the front row at church every Sunday morning and not be in the home. Maybe you can be in, can be in church and not in the kingdom. Hmm. When we, and this is why it's so important that we have the presence of the Holy Spirit in our church because it's, it's with the church and the Holy Spirit, it's the Spirit and the bride that say come. It's the Spirit and the Bride that say, come. It's the church and the Holy Spirit that say, come. And so the church, empowered by the Holy Spirit, we let the Holy Spirit's light come and shine. And even this morning, we let the Holy Spirit's light come and shine. And Lord, reveal the darkness that's in my heart. Illuminate the darkness that's in my heart. And Lord, illuminate my brothers and sisters that are in the house this morning that may be in the house but might be lost, that need to have an encounter with you, that need to have sin and dysfunction driven out of their life. Lord, how can we, hosting your Holy Spirit, Find people this morning even people that are in the house and and maybe you can be saved and not be living in the kingdom that's what Jesus is teaching people is here like you you're righteous but you're seeing this all wrong and you're not experiencing the life and the peace and the joy that's available in the Holy Ghost this morning come on (laughs) that's a good point Josh thank you for that okay um and and so we see the lost coin. We see the lost sheep We see the son, and we see the Holy Spirit and this next one this next part it, The first two might have been a little bit more tolerable for the religious group But no, this next one would just set them off and make them furious and bring great offense and Jesus meant for it Too and so we've seen the son, We've seen the Holy Spirit. Now. We're gonna see the father look at verse 11 Verse 11 says to Ill- illustrate this point further. Jesus told them this story a man had two sons The younger son told the father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. Essentially, the son is looking at the father and saying, I wish you were dead so that I could have your money, so that I could have your property, so that I could have your wealth, so that I could have your stuff. I would rather you be dead so that I could have these things. And the father loves him so much that he says, Okay? And now Romans 1 would lay out the same argument that we've all done this. That God loves us so much that when we choose His stuff over Him, He says, okay? He loves us so much that He lets us have our own way. And now, listen, if the Son did this in this culture, I mean, even now, but even, especially in this culture, it would have been super disgraceful, super shameful. This son would have never been allowed back home. Verse 13, a few days later, the younger son packed all of his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. And about the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pig. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding began to look good to him. But no one gave him anything. No one gave him anything. Somebody say mercy. No one gave him anything. That's mercy. It's God's great mercy. And, and listen, I just want to tell you this morning, en- enabling people is not compassion. And that's hard because I know that our heart goes out to people who are really struggling, but enabling people to stay in their dysfunction is not compassion. No, like real, real compassion challenges people. When Jesus came to the man that was sitting on the mat and said, do you want to be made well? And the man had some silly response like, oh, well, nobody can help me into the water. And he says, I didn't ask you that. He asked you, do you want to be made Well, And the reason that he asked him that is because not everybody does want to be made well, because if you be made well, it becomes with a certain degree of responsibility. And Jesus Jesus didn't say, oh, poor you, let me sit here with you after your sob story. No, Jesus challenged the man. And he said, take up your mat and walk. That's what real compassion does. Real compassion doesn't enable people to stay in their sin and, and stay in their dysfunction. Real compassion says, there's more in the house, bro, but out here I can't give you anything. And that's oftentimes hard for us to get, but th- listen, that's the mercy of God. That's the mercy of God. When Paul teaches the Corinthian church about church discipline and, the, and, and that they've got a man who, is, who won't repent of his sin, he says, turn him over to Satan. Make it, remove him from the church. These aren't popular sermons nowadays. Remove him from the church. Why remove him from the church turn him over to Satan? So that he will see what he's missing out on. Because it's only on the outside of the house oftentimes that you can see how good the Father is inside of the church. No one gave him anything that's mercy. And, and, and it's the mercy, it's the grace, it's the love of God that will let you go. Because he knows that nothing's going to satisfy your heart. It's the mercy, grace, and love of God that will let you go because he knows that nothing will satisfy your heart like he does. He got to a point that even, even the pods looked good, good to him. And many of us, including myself, we've been in those places where we've gotten to the lowest low and we feel dirty and we feel shame. Like we, we do dirty, shameful things in order to try to fill our bellies. It's like we tried this and it didn't work. And so we tried this and it doesn't work. And it tried this and it doesn't work. And it tried this and it, this and it doesn't work. And we get to a place that even the pods look good, that even the slop looks good to eat. Verse 17. When he finally came to his senses, grace. He said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he gets his, he gets his comeback story together. He gets his apology together. You ever blown it really big time? Maybe as a kid, you like get your explanation ready. That's what he does. He gets his apology ready, you know, and and he comes to his senses and he thinks like, man, my father, he's... I blew this part of my inheritance, but he's still super wealthy, and you know his servants are living better than how I'm living right now, and so maybe if I can go home, maybe I can just be an employee. Maybe I can be a servant. Maybe I can be a slave that he'll take care of. Maybe I'll go back, and so I'll, I'll go to him, and I'll say, I'm sorry, Lord, or I'm sorry, Father. I did these things, and, but please take me back. Please make me an employee, and so he's got this, and I imagine even him walking home in, in in just in the filth and, and disgusting uh area that he was i can i can just see him rehearsing this story as he's on the way to the father and thinking i wonder how i'm going to be received and and, and listen listen the religious group like it, man this is it this dude he's not a coin he's not a sheep this is a man and he did something disgraceful jesus it's time to show these sinners and tax collectors what happens when you do things like this this guy's about to get what he deserves that's what the religious, that's, that's, and, and still today, that's what the spirit of religion tells us, is that people should get what they deserve. Here comes justice. This is a shameful, prodigal son. Verse 20, so he returned home to his father. And while he was a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said father I've sinned against both heaven and you I'm no longer worthy of being called your son But his father said to the servants quick bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf. We have been fattening We must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead and now has returned to life He was lost, but now he is found so the party began come on listen When these words begin to come out of Jesus's mouth the Pharisees would have started fuming and like probably looking for stones. Like, I can't believe this, but I just see this, this crowd gathered around him and I see the Pharisees and the scribes, the religious leaders, the religious group getting very, very, very angry because this is not what they were expecting. And now like this guy is saying this crazy stuff and that God, we, God doesn't accept people that way. And they're thinking, in their mind, they're thinking Deuteronomy chapter 21 says like, if there's a rebellious son, you bring him before the council and we'll stone him. That's what they're, thinking, and even Hebraic tradition would say, if this son returned home and they're not going to stone him, then what we're going to do is we're going to take pots and we're going to break them over him when he gets home and we're going to declare to the whole town, this man can be nothing more than a slave. That's what, that's what they're expecting Jesus to do. But this is how he gets received. But I also see the other crowd. I see the tax collectors and I see the sinners and I see the prostitutes and I see, What? How does God see me? And and it says that it says it says when he was a long way off. You don't see anything a long way off unless you're looking for it. And I just think I just see the father on the porch every day, just like looking and waiting. And I think like, how long did the robe sit in the closet? And the father said, like, when he gets home, this is his, this is his rope. And I, and I think about, I, and I think about the son just coming and, and, and just awaiting the shame and awaiting the disgrace and to see your father and, and listen, the, the, the Jewish men did not run. And so when like Jesus said, like the Jew, like this man ran, Jews didn't run. He would have had to gird up his loins. He would have had to, it's called girding up your loins. We had to pick up his robe and gird it. Like he would have exposed his legs. That was very shameful. And it's the father going like, I'm, I'm outrunning the accusers. I'm outrunning the shame. I'm outrunning those who would try to stone him or would try to stop him or would try to make him a slave. Because that's my son. That's my son. That's my son. And when he gets there, he embraces him. And he just, in the, in the, in the language he's there, he doesn't kiss him one time, he kisses him over and over and over again, just kisses, kisses, kisses. And, and I can just see the son confused on what's going on and just like, no dad, like, I don't deserve this. Just make me a slave, make me an employee. Like, don't, what do you like, what's going on? And the, and the father says like, enough of that, you're home. Get the robe. And, it, and, and, and all through scripture, robes represent righteousness. He who knew no sin became sin so that you and I could become the righteousness of God in Christ. And, and so he's he's saying like, it's as if you did nothing, son. It's as if you never left. It's as if you never sinned. And I think this is a problem a lot of times with even believers in the church nowadays is like, we don't see ourselves as righteous. We don't see ourselves as sons. Oftentimes we see ourselves as, as worth nothing more than being slaves. And he says, not my son, give him the road, give him the righteousness and bring out my ring. What does the ring mean? The ring was authority. The ring was saying, look, like, l- my son, he's in charge now. What? My guy, you gave him He would have given him two-thirds of the inheritance to the older son and one-third of the inheritance to the younger son. Dude, he just blew a third of your wealth on wild living, on prostitutes, on drinking, on all kind of stuff. He blew all of that. And you're going to put him in charge of everything? Yeah, that's what I'm going to do. And put some sandals on his feet. He's barefoot. Only slaves walk around barefoot, but not my son. Get my sandals out. Oh, oh, and that calf. That calf that I've been getting fat, and y'all been salivating over, waiting for some prime ribs, some steak, I've been getting that joker fat because I knew my son was going to come home. Kill that one. Fire up the grill. Invite the whole town. We're throwing a party. That's how the father welcomes sinners home. That's how the father welcomes prodigals home. When they get home, he doesn't say, now, son, I want you to come in. I want you to sit over there. I want you to think about what you've done. We're gonna give you a couple years. We're gonna see how you do. We, you know, we, we'll start you out as a slave. Maybe we'll make you an employee. We'll, you can clean the toilets. You can you know, clean up the ox's poop. You can do these kinds of things. And when you prove yourself faithful, we'll promote you. None of that immediately he's in charge. And this robe, it means that not, like, it's like nothing happened. Let's throw a party and celebrate it. And even then listen, even the justice on the inside of us goes, that's not fair. Exactly. God's grace is not fair (laughs) and thank you Lord it's not fair but Romans 2 4 says it's the goodness of God that leadeth men into repentance not the wrath of God it didn't say when the father saw him that he was filled with anger and judgment it said he was filled with love and compassion and he said that's my boy who's come home and that's the way the father welcomes us when we come home Geez, where was I? It's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. He overwhelms him with goodness. And, and that's, this is why the Father does this, is because when, when you get overwhelmed with his goodness, when you get revelation of the way that he sees you, guess what? You never want to leave the house again. When I realize the way that he sees me, when I realize that he's Abba, and he's not a slave driver so I don't want to come to the table at somebody that I think is mad and is frustrated and is angry with me but if I know the way that he actually sees me I don't ever want to leave that table I don't ever want to leave that table perfect love casts out all fear why because it's fear concerning judgment but there was no judgment waiting for him at the house there were no consequences waiting for him at the house there was no punishment waiting for him at the house well, but 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 the law says the law Jesus fulfilled the law Jesus never broke the law but he fulfilled it and what Jesus did is he outran those accusers and he said I'll take it I know that they deserve to be crucified but father send me I'll take it he was Jesus was the perfect lamb and and listen something that we've got to understand it, it it's so, and this is so hard for us because we know ourselves and we know how screwed up we are, but we have got to begin to see ourselves as Colossians says that we're holy and faultless and blameless before the throne. Not based on your behavior, based on his. Religion tries to make it about your behavior and what you do and what you don't do. But, but God is love and you are nothing other than loved. In the Old Testament, Whenever, uh, uh, whenever someone was burdened by sin or they were, they were bringing their sacrifices because they, they had to make sacrifice in order to cover their sin, whenever they would bring their sheep or their goat or their bird or whatever they could afford, whatever they bring, the priest never inspected the sinner. What did the priest inspect? The sacrifice. It had to be a lamb without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. Jesus Christ was the perfect sacrifice. And so when you stand before God, understand that he is not inspecting you. He's inspecting Jesus, because you've been given the righteousness of God in Christ. So, uh, 1 John 4, just as Jesus is now, so are you in this world. And so when the Father looks at you, he sees you through the lens of Jesus' righteousness. Well, that's, you know, and a lot of, a lot of people think, well, like, man, that, like that, that grace sounds too good to be true. Yes, like, it's so good it's incredible it doesn't make sense and it's not fair but you know what it causes me to do it causes me to see how nasty sin is and how amazing he is and you know what the goodness of God does the grace of God does is it empowers me into holy righteous living because (laughs) when I when I came home when I when I had my I had had a couple prodigal years where I ran away from the house but when I got revelation of the goodness of God it caused me never want to leave the house again was i perfect no but i stayed in the house <sighs> come on come on i think sometimes we make ministry about getting people <laughs> about getting people to repeat prayers the son had his prayer the father ignored it Repentance is not about repeating prayers. It's about coming home. (laughs) Listen, if ministry is about repeating prayers, then Jesus was a failure. He didn't go around getting people to repeat prayers. He He went around revealing the heart of the Father and showing people the way that God actually saw them. Oof. Ministry is about showing people the way home <laughs> Maybe the, maybe this maybe this parable isn't about <laughs> Maybe this parable isn't about being saved maybe it's about living in the kingdom Maybe it's about showing you that the kingdom is in the Father's house It's not about going to heaven when you die it's about experiencing heaven right now on this earth The kingdom of God is heaven on earth. He prayed Father, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He wouldn't have prayed it if he didn't mean it. And so listen, if you are not experiencing, Romans 14, 17, the kingdom of God is a matter of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. If you're not experiencing righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost, you might not be living in the kingdom. You might be saved and go into heaven when you die, but man, I want you to experience heaven right now. The gospel of the kingdom is not about making sure you don't go to hell. It's about making sure that you don't live in hell on earth. Thank God I don't have to go to hell when I die, but I don't want to live in hell on earth. because. But the kingdom is at hand. It's available now. The kingdom of It's both, man. The kingdom of God is now and not yet. It's here and it's coming. We've got to be able to marry that in our minds so you don't get your brains kicked in for the rest of your life. Man. Whew. I want to read this story to you that I, that I think uh, beautifully illustrates it. It's by uh, an author who wrote a lot of books. The most familiar one is called The Ragamuffin Gospel by Brennan Manning. He wrote a book called also called The Furious Longings of God. And this is an excerpt from that book. It says, in the 1960s, Brennan Manning was teaching at the university in Ohio where he met a student by the name of Larry Mullaney. According to Brennan, Larry was just about the ugliest human being he had ever run across. Larry was short and extremely obese. He had a terrible case of acne, a bad lisp, really bad hair. He wore dirty, wrinkled clothes and no shoes. He had extremely low self-esteem. In fact, Brennan states that he had never met another human being with such low self-esteem. Not one, one person on campus wanted to be near Larry. Larry was also a self-proclaimed agnostic. He had no belief in anything. During Christmas break, Larry went home to visit his family in Rhode Island. His parents were staunch Irishmen, so his dad wore a suit and tie to every evening dinner. The break was spent with Larry smelling like a billy goat, quarreling off and on with his father, which was their typical family experience. Towards the end of the break, Larry told his dad that he was going to be back to university the next day. His dad replied he would ride the bus with him for the first leg of the journey. The next morning, father and son rode the bus together to the first stop. They stepped off the bus near the textile factory where his father worked. Across the street were six men. Those men worked with Larry's father. They started making fun of Larry, calling him a fat pig. They made oinking noises and yelled, if that was my kid, I would hide him in a basement. I'd be so embarrassed. The men were brutal, but Larry didn't react. He had heard it all before. He knew who he was. Then right at that bus stop, in front of those six cheering men for the first time in Larry's life, his father reached out and embraced him and kissed him on the lips. And he said, Larry, if your mother and I live to be 200 years old, that wouldn't be long enough to thank God for the gift he gave to us in you. I am so proud that you're my son. Brennan Manning said that the radical transformation that took place in Larry Mullaney when he came back to the university was hard to put into words Larry cleaned up he started dating a girl he not only joined a fraternity he became the president of the fraternity and he graduated with a 4.2 GPA the first students ever do so he was a brilliant scholar Larry went into father Brennan's office and said, tell me about this man, Jesus. And so for six weeks and half-hour increments, Father Brennan shared with Larry what the Holy Spirit had revealed to him about Jesus. After those six weeks, Larry said, okay. On June 14th, 1974, Larry Mullaney was ordained a priest in Providence, Rhode Island. And he spent the next 20 years as a missionary in South America. And people described him as totally sold out to Jesus Christ. Why? Because of his father's decision to bless, his father healed his son by his blessing. His father looked deeply into his son's eyes and saw the good in Larry Mulaney that Larry couldn't see for himself. He affirmed him with his furious love and he changed the whole direction of his life. Verse 25, Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working, when he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house, and he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf. We were celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, all the years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to do. And all that time you never gave me one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. His father said to to him, look, dear son, you've always stayed with me and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he was found. Jesus is intending to show this religious group that they are the older brother. You should be rejoicing that tax collectors and sinners are coming home. And I think a lot of us in this room, sometimes, maybe, maybe if we grew up in church, we have a hard time relating to the younger brother, but we've been something much worse, pretty good Christians. Thinking we were on the inside, but really have been on the outside and seeing ourselves as slaves and not as sons. What I want you to see today is that the older brother needs the father just as much as the younger and the father broke the religious rules again because if this older brother had left the dinner party and refused to come in, it would have been embarrassing, it would have been shameful, and the father would have just rejected him altogether and said, I'm not going out there. But he goes out there and he begs him to come inside. And it's wild that the, it's wild that the, the, the older brother says, you've never given me anything. Buddy, back in verse 12, he gave you his inheritance. It says he gave it to both sons. What do you mean you never gave you anything? The point of this parable that I want you to know this morning is that everything the father has is yours. That there is a seat at the table that he is withholding nothing from you. Servants get meals, but sons get an inheritance. And most people live as sons when, most people live as servants when they've really been called to be sons. The point of this parable is that everything the father has is yours, that he is withholding nothing from you. The point of this parable is that the Father loves you. The Father loves you. Why does he love you? Because he loves you. 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 you. I think sometimes even as parents we make ourselves better parents than our Heavenly Father because we all know that there's nothing that our kids could do to cause us to love them any less. And there's also nothing that you can do that can cause God to love you any less. It's not based on your performance. It's based on his and when you get that revelation, and, and when you get that revelation, you'll actually stop struggling so much with sin. When you get the revelation that He is Abba Father. Romans eight fifteen. You've not been given a spirit of slavery, a spirit of fear to go back into slavery, like you're working for a taskmaster. You've been given the spirit of sonship that causes your spirit to cry out, Abba Father. Abba Father. And and listen, even when we worship, I wanna I wanna correct a little bit of a of a of a of a thinking that we have sometimes is that when we raise our hands in worship that we're saying, I surrender like God is holding up a gun to you. When you are raising your hands in worship, your spirit is crying, Abba Father, just like when your kids were little and they came up and they lifted their hands to be picked up by you. Abba Father. And and, and whether you relate with the younger brother this morning or you relate with the older brother, I think we all relate with them a little bit in, in each way and at different parts of our lives. But I want you to know that the father always comes out. He always runs down the road. He always comes out of the house to greet you, to be with you. And he doesn't bring shame and he doesn't bring condemnation and he doesn't come out with a list of things that you need to do to get back into his good graces. He comes out with love, furious love. And he he calls you nothing other than love. And he calls you nothing other than son. And he calls you nothing other than daughter. Well, I haven't really been acting that way. It doesn't matter because Jesus did. Jesus acted that way. Jesus was treated like we deserve so that we could be treated like he deserves. And we've been adopted. Jesus left heaven as God's only son and left earth as God's oldest son. He's good, he's good, he's good. The point of this parable is that you weren't meant to be a slave, you were meant to be a son. And everything that he has is yours. You need healing, it's yours. You need to get your finances in order, it's yours. You need blessing at your workplace, it's yours. You need a storm calmed in your life, it's yours. It's the kingdom, it's the supernatural kingdom that's not a matter of talk and Josh has been talking a lot. It's a supernatural kingdom that 1 Corinthians 4.20 says is a matter of power. And Romans 4.17 says of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Thank you for listening to the CMC podcast. If you'd like to watch our sermons live or looking for more information about our church, visit cmcchurch.com or follow us on Facebook at Christian Ministries Church.